Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I am Joseph M. Smith, the host of Tech Niche Tips podcast, where we help people break into tech, not just to get in there, but to also scale from there. Every week, I'll be having new episodes where I either talk from my own personal experiences or I share with my friends and people that I met along the way that have great tips and tricks, not only, again, to help you land a job in tech, but to help you scale from there. Join me on the Tech Niche Tips podcast. Until next time, I hope to see you on the other side. Stay tuned for more. One of the first things that I talk to managers about is really, are you listening to the people that work for you? Not are you having one-on-ones where you're talking to them, but how are you really listening? What types of questions, open-ended questions are you asking them, and then pausing and waiting until they answer. Really trying to understand where their stressors are personally. And just as important, what's motivating to them? Welcome back to the Homework Podcast. I'm Charlene. I'm the All Things People, executive coach, performance coach, HR expert, you name it. Anything related to people and the workplace, that's me. And I got my co-host here with me. Hi, Charlene. I'm Joy Andrews, acupuncturist, feng shui practitioner, and astrologer. And I see the people aspect of things in the treatment room and in their homes and how that plays out. So we love to have conversations together about the home and work and how it all mashes up together. And I'm excited about this show today, Charlene. I am too, man. We had a really great last show. Uh, And I think our producer, Mike, is going to have us doing a after show because we had a show after the show where we talked about receiving and then we started teasing out this whole notion about quiet quitting what we're seeing in the workplace and what you're seeing in the office and it was it was like wow we have to come back and we know exactly who to bring back on on to show one of our community members who was in our founding podcast series when we were first starting out joy we're kind of mm-hmm. dating ourselves because we're almost getting to that hundredth episode, Mark. So we're going to keep marching till we get there. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to bring back community member, tribe member, my friend, our friend to the podcast, Katie Brewer of the Brewer Group. Give you a little intro to Katie. Katie is a phenomenal woman. Katie has a great history, work history in the public sector, private sector. She's a change management expert. Uh, she's been a VP of change management, leading large scale IT projects and programs and decided to take that and move that into executive coaching where she's been having a phenomenal impact on young professionals and mid-career professionals and executives really getting into that that new level of performance, not only on the job, but in their personal lives and finding personal enrichment. She's my She's my go-to coach when when I when the coach needs a coach because I forgot to say I'm a coach too. When a coach needs a coach, she's my go-to person in my tribe to say, "Hey, Katie, let's talk. Let's talk." So, Katie, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be back with both of you. You both have such interesting topics that uh, you bring up and such interesting insights, and I'm honored to be with you. Yeah, thank you so much. We have been just, last podcast, we were just talking about what are we seeing in the workplace. Katie, you've heard the term, the great resignation. When people were just leaving the workplace, they were just saying goodbye, right, to their employers and their bosses. And now there's a new phenom happening, which I don't think it is all new. I think it's just renamed, right, quiet quitting. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that, and uh, I might also say um, even before quiet quitting, people are um, expressing a lot more frustration with their 
their jobs with their with what they're doing. And so I, I see it at every step along the way. Sometimes people haven't made that decision to quit yet. Some people are about to quit. Some people are uh, post-quitting. And uh, so it's really interesting insights as you as you see people at different steps along the way. Yes. And for the, for our listeners that may have not listened to that podcast, go back because Katie was our community member that talked about toxic workplace and how to cure yourself of toxic work toxicity. Right. Mm-hmm. Katie, talk to us about how that may be playing into, well, let's define quiet quitting. Let's just mm-hmm. go ahead and start off. Cause somebody would say, what is quiet quitting? I never heard of that. What is quiet quitting? So what, what I would say is um, when people quit their jobs without a particular um, event that has happened. So they don't have another job. They just, they don't express any frustration at work. They just one day go in and say, I'm done. I'm quitting my job. And I think the the reason they call it quiet is that the management doesn't know that it's going to happen. And it seems very quiet to them. It could be that they aren't looking for signs, or it could be that there aren't signs because people are in a remote environment. And mm. so um, I think a lot of people are very concerned about managing up and then aren't necessarily focused on the people that work with them. And so I think that there's a lot of people who are expressing frustration that aren't being heard and still can be um, included in quiet quitting. Yeah. 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 This whole thing around quiet quitting, it's interesting before, you know, many HR professionals, you could sense when somebody's ready to, that, that has, I call it my third eye, right? That third eye where you're like, mm, somebody looks like that person seems disengaged or they don't seem like they're really there uh, like they were or um, stepping up to the plate or, you know, I always say ducking into the conference room, taking a call, right? Taking an interview. And so th- those are not necessarily those typical signs that we're seeing now. We're mm-hmm. seeing people giving resignations with without notice, uh, with the two-week notice, but really disengaged during those last two weeks where you might as well just go ahead and pay them through the notice period because you're really not getting any productivity out of them. Um, and it's, a, it's an opportunity to, to sort of kind of be disruptive in terms of, you know, airing out that frustration and feeling like they're not being heard, right? And so it, it, is, it is an interesting dynamic happening in the workplace. And then there's this also this other angle that I'm also seeing of quiet quitting where they're not actually leaving right away, but they're using that word disengaging that you said, like they are just doing less, you know, and still maintaining their job while they may be looking for another job or just thinking about whether they're ready to quit or when they're going to be ready to quit. But that disengaging trend that's happening is what I'm seeing, that people are just, they've sort of hit a wall of pushing through, working extra hours, being available on weekends, replying to emails urgently, you know, they're sort of tired of that, the urgency at work and the high expectations. And so they're just saying, not not necessarily even saying to anybody, I'm just going to work less or I'm going to actually just do my 40 hours rather than 50, 60, 70, 80. <laughs> and, and that part to me is new because there was sort of this expectation before of people just pushing through. And I would see it in the treatment room of people's adrenal glands just on, you know, they would have a hard time turning off their phones, even in the treatment room, you know, just to be ready for what's, what's going to be coming at them. And so I think that's another angle of people who aren't quite exiting the door, but they're just sort of disengaging. So I'd be interested, Joy, if you find their adrenal glands are relieved because they're not working as many hours. Is it actually causing them to feel 
better about their work or is it that they still have adrenal reaction? You know, it's still there, but it's less. You know, people are are shifting to say, I've got to I've got to make some changes in my life and or I need some extra supports in my life. You know, whether that's a supplement to help with nervous system regulation like ashwagandha or CBD or something else that might help them calm their sense of reaction, you know, that 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 sort of like cat ready to jump feeling, that startled feeling every time they get a ping on their phone or an email message notification, you know, it's sort of that overreactiveness that people um, have in their bodies. And I see it as they can barely lay on the table. They're sort of floating. (laughs) They're sort of floating on the table And I I don't see it just in people with corporate jobs. I see it in teachers, you know. I see it in people who have all kinds of ranges of jobs who can't fully relax. And they'll say, okay, now take a deep breath or relax your knees, relax your ankles. And all of a sudden, you see their body posture just flop (laughs) onto the table, whereas before they were sort of like holding it together, you know, being a little bit on edge. Um, And so it is dialing back back. Um, but I think they're still, it's not like they're fully relaxed in their adrenal systems, you know, cause there's this, there's probably some self-judgment in there or some, I don't know if I'm going to get retaliated against kind of a feeling, you know, but I, I do see it as some people are trying to enact self-care for themselves a little bit, you know? And companies are really being more focused on people's mental health and offering a lot more services than I think they have ever offered in terms of um, could just be an employee assistance phone number because who knows what challenges they're dealing with. But, but I think that people are also very aware that this pandemic has, has enacted an emotional toll on a lot of people. So probably the the most aware companies are realizing that they have to do something to help people through this difficult time. Yeah. You know, I was listening to both of you and I, I flashed back to an acupuncturist appointment that I had and in the treatment room, I had my phone. He's like, he sees patients all the time coming in with their phones. And he gives you a little special thing to hold your phone while you're getting your treatment. And I was like, wow, we're always on. I think I think we're seeing too, and it's just curious. I would love, Katie, maybe and I could do a poll of people just to say, okay, remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there were people who were furloughed, right? Who were laid off of jobs, right? First time in unemployment and new, had to go find new positions. We're probably off of work professionals, working professionals off almost a year, six months without you know, working to those that stayed had to care the brunt of, of the people that weren't there, right? So it's that do more with less, you know, mantra. And though I think I would love to know if, if what we're seeing um, is the people who stayed, who had to carry more, or they see that their employers are still demanding more with less as opposed to ratcheting, ratcheting it down to really meet the workload, that we're seeing this disengagement, we're seeing this fatigue, we're seeing people making decisions, because put on top of that, life, reprioritization, hey, family comes first, I've missed a lot of time with my kids, wow, my house has now been remodeled, I want to spend more time in here, I don't want to come into the office, they're making me come into the office now, right? So there's this whole dynamic and whole shift of prioritization. And the question I really have is how are we preparing managers who manage these individuals so that they can see it? To your point earlier, Katie, I want to come to that point where you're talking about they just want to feel heard. They just want to be seen. They just want to be felt like there's compassion and and um, empathy to be trying to work as best I can 
in this new work environment, as well as, as take care of some reprioritization that I made because of the pandemic to put family first or, you know, not my career first, you know, maybe the career went to the second seat and not in the first seat. So there's so many dynamics there. Talk to us about, you know, in your work, how you've been helping managers of others really kind of see, see their team, see them as individuals and operate in that, in that vein. Well, one of the first things that I talk to managers about is really, are you listening to the people that work for you? Not are you having one-on-ones where you're talking to them, but how are you really listening? What types of questions, open-ended questions are you asking them and then pausing and waiting until they answer? really trying to understand where their stressors are personally. And just as important, what's motivating to them? Are they in the current company because they are hoping to move up or that they are hoping to be on a certain type of project or get a certain type of experience? What would be meaningful or motivating to them? And just as important, what's happening in their personal life. Obviously, as a manager, you have to be very gentle about probing in people's personal life. But the more that you can find out about the dynamics that might be going on with them helps them feel like they might be, um, helps their employees feel like they're in a safe environment with a manager who really cares. And I think Kind of back to um, our previous conversation about toxic workplaces. I mean, those are places where you don't feel safe. Those are places where you don't feel hurt. So the opposite is is really feeling safe and heard and really also knowing what the expectations are. Because I think when everything happened with the pandemic and people worked at home, they, you know, committed to uh, the employees really committed to doing a lot of work, potentially working the hours they would have commuted. And now, as they're being asked to go back into the office, they're wondering, I worked from home for two years. Why do I have to now go into the office? So what's changed? Well, what people may be perceiving is you don't trust me. You need to see me there. If you don't feel like your manager trusts you, then that could be the beginning of quiet prayer. And Joy, I was thinking what's coming up in their body, you know, in terms of these decision factors. Because when you're disengaged, your, your energy is in a whole different place. You You have kind of said, okay, you know what, it's just a matter of time that I'm going to be here with this employer. It's just a matter of time that I'm going to give as much effort as I can, you know, on this project. Do you see, you know, people coming in that are just drained and fatigued from work? Mm-hmm. And Yeah. And it's a different feel than during the pandemic because it's, it's like during the pandemic, people were dealing with the shock of it and adapting. And then post pandemic 2021, people were like, oh, maybe we're, opening up again. No, we're not. Oh, we are. Oh, we're not. (laughs) And they were um, experimenting with travel again and social events again. And now there's just a new routine in place that's a little bit closer to the old routine, where here, school buses are back on route. School routines are back in back in tow. And so traffic here is um, back to almost pretty much full levels again. And so um, I've noticed there's more road rage, like I'm passing more fender benders than I used to see. And there's a lot more people coming in who are, um, it's a different kind of tired because it's that full effect of like schools back 
school activities are back, going back to the office is back. And so people are um, adjusting with, it's, it's like full throttle now of their lives have to be at full capacity. And I think during the pandemic, they realized that wasn't really sustainable in the first place because there's no time to cook for your kids. There's no time to get your chores done around the house, take care of your house, you know. And so I think people realized that that the burning the candle at both ends, which was our norm, maybe 20 up to 2019, then that fell apart. You know, people were home more. And now it's like we're sort of expected to go back to that. And people are like, whoa, wait a second. This is um, this is a little bit much. And so there's like a, there's a, I, I call it, people are sort of like burnt to a crisp, like, like burned out a little bit. They're, they're, um, and normally what I see is this happens in February when people, um, when people have gone through the winter here, at least on the East coast, and they're like itching to get back to life and they're they're a little bit like burned out from the holidays and they're crispy there's a lot of like aggression and and anger that's like pent-up creative energy i usually see that in february and i'm seeing that pattern now where people are like a little bit aggro but it's not that creative life force that goes into spring um it's not like the natural order of the energy rising up into the spring and summer months it's a little bit like like i'm unsure of myself you know i'm tentative and maybe they're playing into what you're saying that word mistrust or not fully being trusted you know at work like why aren't we being given a break why aren't companies using more common sense why aren't they being more humane you know and and yeah, so I'm curious about that on the, on, I mean, I'm curious also about the usage of employees use of the more services that companies are trying to throw at the problem, you know, and like, I'm trying to be supportive, but I need everybody back at work. Or I wonder if the usage of that is up or if people are like, mm, I'm not so sure about that yet either. Mm. What do you, you know, think? I've heard a lot of people take advantage of the services. Especially, um, oh, good. especially if it's something that they get for free, um, you know, as part of their employment, that um, or even low cost um, options. Uh, definitely, people are using counseling. Um, a lot of people are taking care of other family members. Either family members have moved in with them, and they're trying to figure yeah. out how do I adjust yeah. that and do caretaking when I have to go into the office um, for their children. Um, Many, many times the places that they may have used before may not be available anymore because of changes in the pandemic or staffing challenges. Mm -hmm. The other thing kind of related to trust with an employer, I don't know whether you've heard the term, but quiet firing. Have you heard that term? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that too in the last show. <laughs> Go ahead, Kitty where companies are, are telling people they have to come into the office or they don't have a job. And if they don't come in, mm -hmm. they also don't get severance or anything else. It's their choice. They're forcing them to quit. Mm -hmm. And um, some people who had worked remote um, for an extended period of time may have even relocated to another area. And so um, another thing that I've heard is that a lot of companies that are allowing people to work remotely are understanding where their employees are living and they're adjusting their salaries down based on where they currently live. So if they move to a low, lower cost of living area, um, you know, some of the places I'm hearing this, people used to live in New York and now they move to a, a suburban area or a rural area and they're adjusting their salaries. So when you have a company doing things like that, that also creates lack of trust too. When they're forcing um, a change in behavior that is directly counter to what they experienced during the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the pandemic, and, and you know, there, there are going to be studies of how the pandemic really reshaped the work, workplace and the workforce for years to come. And people did use that time to 
to relocate, to really think about what's important to them being being in this city or being close to family. Um, continue to struggle, I think, to people being close to home. They said most people live one one paycheck from from being you know in um, a really bad situation, financial situation. Made decisions to move to lower cost of living areas so that their do- their dollars can go a little further, and yet now they seem to be penalized for making life choices, which don't feel supported by their employer when they were they had their employers back when they stayed at work and you know kept it going and you know took on the extra work and so it, it is this whole notion of uh, is it reciprocal right. Is there some reciprocity? And I would say, yes, companies are offering a lot more services um, to to their employees, uh, particularly around mental health, because that seems to be where people are really seeing the most adjustment happening, right? I know my job. I can do my job, but but it's not just my job anymore. It's my life. Right. How I want to do my life differently. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole to me. That's a whole nother layer to this is that we're not just talking about people who know how to do their job. It is how they prioritizing their job, how they're prioritizing how much time they want to devote to their job. So that they can enjoy life. Mm -hmm. Enjoy living. You know, I always say um, work funds, funds my fun, right? Because that helped keep me in a perspective of, yes, I love work, but I also love life outside of work. And I think we're seeing a lot of people who are enjoying life outside of work that may have been the, remember we use that term workaholic, that was always on, you know, Generations that are seeing how my generation works, that I'm not going to work like that. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to prioritize a little bit of me around work and get my work done. So it is such a finesse. I call it a um, a time for HR professionals and, and therapists and you name it. it. There's it's hitting everyone. Therapy has gone up out the roof in terms of. Most therapists don't have availability because they have an onslaught of people coming to seek help, right? And if your if your manager gives you the support to go to your appointment in the middle of the day, can I take my call virtually in the middle of the day, right? And give you that support. You're going to feel like this is a company you want to stay with. Yeah, I agree. Well, if I um, encounter people at that stage when they are um kind of unmotivated. I mean, I think that might summarize what Joy was saying, to, you know, the quiet quitting before they actually quit. Um I I really try to help them understand what is important to them in the place that they work and try to get that message to their manager. And what I find is very common is, well, they should know, you know, they, they respond, they should know what I'm feeling or, or I've told them and I've tried and all these things. And I said, if I talk to your manager, would they be able to communicate it the way you have? And they, they, um, I think that is what I try to get them to. I try to get them to have that conversation with their manager with a very clear ask of what they want. Because they can always quit, but can they give it one more shot so that it isn't a quiet quitting? And that you yeah. give the manager the chance to know what's really important to you. Then on the other side, if the manager is willing to listen and really hears how important this is, then 
something may be able to be done. We may be able to make compromises. There's always a chance that the company is saying, nope, we need people to be here five days a week, and there's no, no getting around that. But at least the manager would be able to say, this is this, this is what the policy is. I'm sorry, I can't make that compromise. It's not me. It's the company policy. But perhaps the manager can even go to leadership and say, we're starting to lose people because of this. I'm hearing from my people that this is going to cause people to leave. But it's not just going back into the office. There are other things that are causing people to want to leave. And it's important that, that the employee communicates what's important to them as much as possible. That's what I'm curious about is what makes work meaningful? What is important enough for people to stay, you know? Um, and because I see that some people who work really hard, um, if they feel a sense of support or meaning or excitement about the work, they have more tolerance to be able to be engaged. You know what I mean? They're, they're ready to be engaged. And I feel like that's different for each person. Some people want acknowledgement. Some people want um, to learn. Some people want space. Some people want that human to human connection. You know, I'm seeing some young people who are disengaged and wanting to quit because they're not able to go into work. <laughs> like that whole crew of people who are in their twenties who want the work experience and they want to grow and advance and they feel siloed when they have to work remotely because they can't really get that interaction with people and learn from people and try things out and get in front of people, you know? So I think it's really unique to different people. So as you're saying, you know, Katie, let your manager know what's important to you. I think that sort of ties in with, you know, what you're saying, Charlene too, is how does this fit into my life? You know, like, what do I, how, what makes me tick as a human and how do I want my life to show up? What kind of legacy do I want to have in the next, you know, for the next generation or just to feel peace at my, within myself. And I think that's different for each person. Cause I don't think it's realistic for us to ask for a job that is, you know, mild or boring or low key. I just don't think that's realistic anymore. <laughs> You know, even if you work for yourself, even if I, you know, I work for myself and it's, it can be fast paced, it can be intense, it can be a lot of things to juggle, there can be a lot of solutions to figure out, you know what I mean? It's not the grass is greener on the other side, but it's like, how does this factor into what makes me tick as a human? You know, I love to have deep interactions with people to rather than surface interactions. I love to have my day broken up. It's like, it doesn't have to be too complicated. It can be simple things, you know, like I don't like, I don't operate well when I'm stuck in one space for eight straight hours or 10 straight hours. You know, I need a little variety in terms of who I talk to, when I talk to them, but then the ability to go deep with people rather than just live a cookie cutter life where we're all talking about, well, how's your dog? Great. How's your dog? How's the weather? How's your, <laughs> you know, there's no substance in that. You know what I mean? So I think like, how does one find, this is probably what you both work on. How does one find what's really um, meaningful for them about work? Mm, right. Yeah. That's what's so important. I mean, you listed off, off the top of your head, you just listed about 35, 40 different things that would be important to one person that might not be important at all to the next person. So mm -hmm. how, when we were at all at home, everybody could prioritize all those things that were important to them and then deprioritize the things that weren't important to them. And now as people are going into the office, it has to be more homogenous about what people's experiences and it's hard to customize for the person who wants, you know, 
to be promoted and the person who wants to learn and the person who wants the flexibility to drop their kids off at the daycare and person who wants the flexibility to work out during the day. I mean, a lot of that was able to happen organically when people were working at home. And now there's kind of this this systemization of everybody being exactly the same and going in at the same time and leaving at the same time. And, you know, that, that pressure to kind of fit in where every, everybody wants the same things is really hard. And I, I'd say that, that if a manager can hear what's important and the, employee can communicate what's important. A lot of flexibility can actually happen, or it actually has to mean you do have to change jobs because this job, you've really gotten all the education you can out of it. But is there another opportunity in that same company where you could actually grow in a different way if that's what's important to you? So I got to jump in here. As I listen to you, Katie, and I listen to you, Joy, you know what I know the thought that came in my head? Reconditioning. And we have, people have had two years, two plus years, really, to get a new system of working that works for them, right? Whether it's remote, whether it's hybrid, whether it's get up in the morning, work out first, and then jump on go back and do some, do some housework, get back into work. You know what I mean? To now saying, okay, I got to get reconditioned to come into the office. And then all the things that I fit into my day, into my work that didn't, by the way, get into my productivity or get into me not getting my work done and doing it well, now gets relegated back to doing it on the weekends. Right. You know, because if you think about it, if you go out at, at lunchtime, this, there's more people out and about now than they were when we worked in the office setting, right? Everybody hustled and bustled to get their errands ran at lunchtime and run back to the office. You didn't, you didn't go out and have a late lunch. People were having meetings in restaurants now and in coffee shops. This is, this is, this is something that, you know, managers really should have conversations about with their teams as they're coming back to, into the office. What I'm noticing is people are, to your point, Joy, some people like that socialization. They love the, the, the camaraderie and interaction. I see them coming back into the workplace. But to your point, Katie, that's very organically, right? They're choosing to say, okay, you know what? Today is not the day I want to work remote. I think I want to go in. And so I can banter and dialogue with, you know, with my colleagues in the office. Tomorrow I may want to work remote, Right. But that choice has been on them and to a degree. Now, choice is being taken away a little bit. You know, my system, my process is sort of kind of being disrupted. I can see why people are saying, you know what? As well as there's some things in the workplace culturally that, that we didn't talk about in this conversation that they may not agree with, right? You know, that they don't feel a sense of belonging or inclusion where they're like, you know what, this is really not the culture for me. And I'm I'm going to wait till I really find that company that meets my needs. And then I'm going to quietly quit that way. Right. And so it it I don't know if there's as we've been talking about, I was sitting here going, I don't know if there's like a, a magic bullet or a silver bullet or one approach, you know, one one approach answer to this. But I think it goes back to what you guys both have been saying is have a conversation. Have a conversation with your teams that, to ask what's important to you. Individually, what's important to you? Individually, that's, that's interesting because, Katie, you said the word homogenous. And I think that is the crux of it, really, because... That's the difficulty. That's the friction that we're experiencing. And that is the future of business is not being homogenous, you know, in every way. I mean, medicine, we want customized medicine. Fashion, we want customized fashion. Technology, we want customized technology. So when 
corporations are moving back to a homogenous way of engaging with employees, it doesn't quite rub with evolution of humanity. You know, I mean, I've even had that conversation when I used to own a wellness center, you know, bringing people on who are acupuncturists, specialized massage therapists, specialized nutritionists, specialized yoga teachers. It was actually really difficult because they were all so unique. It's like hiring an artist to come under one brand and we were very cognizant that somebody didn't want to be part of a brand because they're a unique identity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so how do you make room for same with any creative company? You know what I mean? How do you have a creative brand that allows for people their full creativity while not enforcing on them too many limitations of, well, you gotta, you gotta enact the brand, you know what I mean? And so I think that's the rub in general, I don't know if this is global, this could be global, or it could be the US right now. But we are this like, individualized country, we prize individualism above all, you know what I mean? And so I think companies are like, wait, that doesn't work for payroll. How do we <laughs> wait, that doesn't work for benefits? How do we have 16 different types of benefits for people? That is cost prohibitive to us as a company, you know what I mean? So that allowing for that uniqueness and that having that conversation, I think it's up to employees to even say, here's a solution of how we could make it possible for me to have this one thing I'm asking for, rather than like, you're not listening to me. I need more time off for lunch or, you know what I mean? Like there's gotta be like, let's help companies try and think of solutions of we, I think there's some, some kind of massaging that we need to do with companies to, to get them to be more, um, more expansive in, in catering to all these individuals that are coming into the pipeline too, you know? Yeah. And it's hard for a company to have policies that accept every individual's requirements. Because it's based on homogeneity. Yeah, it's based on we need one policy, right? Not 16 different policies. It's like, oh, this is like a really difficult challenge. Yeah. You can have policies, right? But then it's like, how can we work to, to Katie's earlier point in having the dialogue? I think I think converse, having these real conversations, right, where you are talking, okay, here is what, here's the rule. Here's the policy, right? Let's see, how can we make this work, right? How can we make it fit within it? And coming together, bringing both mindsets in, right? To come up with something. And once checking, once the fact checker, okay, that's a great solution. Does it does it violate the policy? No, then go for it, right? I think it's that dialogue of, of having heard their ideas and their suggestions, necessarily saying everyone's going to be adopted or accepted, but at least you'll know why. At least you'll know you you were heard. Right. Yeah, I get it. It's a, it, it's, it is a, for, for, for multinational com- companies that have people in all different States, it's so easy because they got payroll re- units set up in all those States. They don't care where their people work. Right. For smaller companies, that may be a big deal, right. Where th- that wasn't a region they were thinking about even moving into. And I, I know a situation where that happened and the person brought business into that region. They're like, let me move there and I'll help build business in that new region. Hmm. Right. So to Katie's point earlier, finding what, what motivates them, what, what is meaningful to them, let them do it. Test it out. If it works great, if it doesn't, at least you could say, you know what we tried we can't keep this, we can't keep you, you know, working in this region, right? And so the companies that are, that are going to be adapting and really are going to be listening and seeing what they can do versus what they can't do are going to be the ones that win. I think managers, uh, kind of summarizing the case, that if managers can have these conversations and get to what's meaningful to them, what motivates them in terms of work, what they're looking to get out of a role would be helpful. I know one of the terms terms is have a stay conversation. 
you know, um, with your people just to get a sense of, you know, what's what's going on. Hmm. Oh, I know. I didn't know that was bothering you so much. Hmm. Hey, talk to me. Let's see what we can come up with. Right? If you, Because what people are fearing now is that there's going to be another layoff because of the recession. Right? And so now fear is, is creeping back in. You'll still have these people working there, but will you really have their heart and mind? Right? We, will they really give you the innovation and the productivity and and the insights that you're looking for if they're just there because guess what? This seems like a safe space and seems recession proof versus non-recession proof. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think that uh, Joy also really highlighted how companies are, in order to be competitive, really have to be looking at customizing their services and the ones that are the most innovative are pivoting to having very customized situations and using artificial intelligence and other techniques. The more that they can also turn that inward and do that for their employees will be the ones that will have much more loyalty more trust and a more robust culture of innovation within their companies. Say that again, Kate. I think listeners to hear that again. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, that's, that's a pretty monumental shift. That's a good goal we should all aim towards. Yeah, really. Just that as as the customer is requiring things to be customized, and the most innovative companies are truly customizing their offerings using artificial intelligence, using listening studies of their customers, then they will be successful with their customers. If they can turn that same energy inward and offer the same type of innovative approaches to their employees, then maybe through artificial intelligence, through listening tours, then maybe they will be the ones that become the most successful at keeping their internal employees satisfied, trusted, and create a great culture. Mm -hmm. If I had a mic, I would drop it right now. Bam. (laughs) That's it. That's it. And I, any, any closing words from you, Joy? Yeah, I, I see this in terms of the human body. I see this in terms of the home we live in. I see this in terms of energy, the way energy flows, that what we're pointing to is the need, the desire, the collective conscious desire, I feel like, for both flexibility and structure. Like there is a tension between them and there is a fine line of how much flexibility we need to feel good and how much structure we need to feel good. And we do need both, you know, like, too much structure makes us feel, you know, penned in and not free. And too much flexibility makes us feel aimless and and like we have no focus. And so I think, you know, in our jobs, we need that too. Like we need, um, you know, and that could be something to ask for. It's like, what's the right balance of flexibility for me to be able to express and grow and and what is the right structure for me to feel that trust and reliability, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would and I would say to what has stuck in my head as we've been talking about this is really each individual, each person really thinking about what's meaningful to them, what excites them, what gets them up in the morning besides knowing that they're going to get a paycheck. What are their goals? What are the what what do they want to say, you know, after I leave today that I feel great and proud of, right? And so there's some homework on our part as individuals too, to, you know, you know how we do spring cleaning, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to think about that too. As we go, when you mentioned the word energy joy, it made me think about that, that we need to take an inventory of our own energy toward our work and see, you know, do we need a resuscitation? Do we need to go, 
and kind of go poof, poof, right? And, and, and breathe some new life into what we're doing if that's what we're passionate about. And then I love the fact that people are moving. You know me. I, I love people that move into a job that they are more passionate about and they feel like this is where they want to contribute more. All the more to it. So if you want to quiet quit to get into a job that is more meaningful to you, where you feel like you can really grow and, and really thrive and be all you can be, go do it. But do me a favor. When the extra interview time comes, leave them with good feedback, right? So that they know what they need to do. Because the, the notion of quiet quitting does give leave a void for the employee to go, you know, what what are we doing? Where are we missing the mark for them to make some adjustments, right? Um, I call it feed forward. Give me something that I can take forward with me into the next person that we hire or to the next person on your team, you know, so they can feel like they're they're all thriving and not silently, you know, disengaged or just silently quitting because we don't have to necessarily do that. We have choice. And I like people to be in control over their careers, um, not to be in the passenger seat. So get in the driver's seat and drive yourself into a happy, more meaningful place. Wow, this has been a great discussion. Oh, Katie, please tell our listeners where they can find you. And also to, to go back to listen to uh, Cure Yourself or Work Toxicity. I did her exercise. I will be the first one to tell you it is phenomenal. Followed up with a treatment with joy, a clearing treatment where she mowed my garden. (laughs) I felt so free, free. And so Katie, please tell people where they can find you. So the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn is I'm there as Katie Brewer, as well as the Brewer group. So Look forward to hearing from people, um, even just their their feedback on this podcast. It's uh, been wonderful being here. Yes, and Bureau because you could, it could be spelled with a W or a U. Oh yeah, Katie spells it with a U, so you'll find her uh, Katie Brewer with the U. U E O. That's right. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to find the wrong Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Katie. This is thank amazing. You. Thank you so much, Katie. You always illuminate things on the on the show. And we hope our listeners have found some nugget in this podcast that they're going to think about because that's what we want you to do. We want you to listen, think, and do. And so I'm Charlotte. And, and I'm Joy. And we are the Homework Show. And we invite you to like, subscribe. You can find us on any of the podcasts apps that you're on and you can also visit us on instagram at the homework pod leave us a comment you can email us at the homework pod at gmail.com and the website if you can't find us anywhere else we are we've got all our episodes listed on the homeworkpod.com until next time If you want to find more episodes just like this one, make sure you head over to the homeworkpod.com. And remember, let's do some homework together.